see the Rockettes before they closed them down. I guess they're closed down now because of COVID, but uh, prior to that, we got to see them, and it was a blast, just a blast, Rockefeller Center and so forth and so on. I'd never been to any of those places, so it was a joy. And there's a lot of, a lot of opportunities this time of year for, for um, going and seeing various things. Uh, uh, we, we went this past week to, to Gilbert to see um, a Christmas Carol and things like that, and oftentimes churches might have uh, children pageants from time to time. You probably have seen those before, maybe even been a part of one as a child. And the story is told of a mother who um, was childless, and she really wanted to have some children, and so she, she prayed and she asked God to um, just allow her to have some children. And she promised as a mom that uh, she, would, she would raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And um, fast forward 10 years, and this mother not only had one, but she had four children. It was Christmas time, and there was a children's pageant at the church that they attended because she was being faithful to raise them as she had promised. And all four of the children were in this children's pageant, and her, her oldest was a girl, and she had three, three smaller boys. And um, the pageant started, and it was a disaster, just a disaster. Her, her, her daughter was Mary, and as she walked up the, uh, the aisle, she tripped and fell and dropped the baby Jesus, and he rolled under the pew. One of the, uh, one of the uh, angels ran up to try to help her and tripped and broke his wing. One of the uh, shepherds poked somebody with his staff as he was trying to help pick the baby up, and it was just a mob scene in the aisle. But it really jumped the tracks when her son, who was the narrator for the, for the day, announced that the wise men had arrived with their presents, with their gifts, and they were presenting their gifts of gold, common sense, and fur. Gold, common sense, and fur. I kind of like that, actually. I actually like it a lot because it's not accurate. And yet, these men that came were acting out of common sense. And we'll see today as we look through this passage that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 2 that there's some unique and interesting things to learn. Uh, we're, not going to, um, we're not going to solve all of the mysteries that, uh, that exist there around their arrival and the interaction with the people and the culture of the time, but rather my prayer has been that, that we can, we'll see some ways that God moves them to accomplish what they accomplished, and he's working in the same ways in our lives to move us, to grow, to worship, and to become more like the folks that he desires for us to be. So you, you have your Bibles there. Please open them to Matthew chapter 2, and let's read the first 12 verses of this wonderful passage. Matthew 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Now now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, gathering together the chief priests and scribes. Of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. And Herod secretly called the Magi, determined from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you found him, report back to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Hmm. We'll learn a little bit about Herod in a moment. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at this special passage, we learn more about these wise men, the circumstances of their lives, and the way that you orchestrated all that they did and all that they were to accomplish in order to show your greatness and your goodness. Help us to see what you've done in their lives and be able to determine how those same things are happening in our own, that you're leading and guiding us. So open your word, be our teacher today, we pray. We're grateful that we can share this time together in your word as we fellowship with the body of Christ. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't it interesting that, that Matthew, the gospel writer, most focused on showing the Messiah in the Old Testament, begins in chapter 1 with his genealogy, his, his right to kingship, that he was king, is king, and then he moves on to this story. So let's, let's get right into it. The first thing I want to I point out before we get into the, some of the principles that I want you to see is that we should note that the Magi didn't come to a stable. They came to a house. You see it there in verse 11? Look there with me again. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. If your nativity scene outside your home or on your hearth includes the wise men, Oops. Sentimentally, perfectly fine. Historically, it didn't happen that way. It couldn't possibly have gotten to the manger. They had journeying to go through. It was perhaps a year, maybe a year and a half before the Magi truly already before the Magi arrived and inquired of, of Herod. And it causes my curiosity to kick in. This is the first thing I want you guys to see. It causes my curiosity to kick in. And what are Mary and Joseph still doing in Bethlehem? As you remember the story, they were in Nazareth. And they were called down. In fact, we read a little bit about it this morning in Luke chapter 2. 
They were called down by Caesar, because God had orchestrated through Caesar to have Joseph and Mary be in Bethlehem at the right time. And because of the census, they needed to move down to Bethlehem, and the census was taken, and Jesus was born, and yet Mary and Joseph are still there. Some year, year and a half later, as the wise men are traveling. Why? They were already on their way. They were fulfilling something that God wanted to happen. And Mary and Joseph were waiting, and their waiting was a necessary part of accomplishing what God wanted. The baby needed to be there in order for these Gentile wise men to be able to worship them and meet him and do what they needed to do. And it may be that you, in your situation today, are in circumstances that you're not sure why God's asked you to be where you're at, accomplishing what you're accomplishing at this time. It might be in your job, it might be in your family, it might be through your finances, whatever it might be. You're in circumstances that you're not real sure why God has you there, but you're waiting. But you're there for divine purposes. For divine reasons that you can't know at this point, and, and maybe reasons that you won't understand until more of the event unfolds. Mary and Joseph waited in Bethlehem, and they trusted God to know what was best for them in the future. And they knew that at the right time, God would reveal to them what he was going to do. And he, in fact, did in a few verses after what we read, where he encourages them to go to Egypt for a very specific region, reason. So just as we pause this morning and think about this as we're getting started, has God got you in a place today in your life where you're not real sure? Why are you there? What's God doing? We're going to see as this unfolds, as we look at the providence, at the use of God's providence in our lives, in the lives of the Magi, uh, all of the other things that are revealed today, we're going to see that God is in control of our lives and doing the right things at the right times, and he's got us where he wants us to be. And it could be some tough times, hard times, challenging times, whatever they might be, but God is working in and through those things to do a work in your life that you're unaware of. Maybe in your own life and maybe in the life of someone that's watching you closely. You just can't be sure. Mary and Joseph were faithful and they waited for God to do what he needed to do, what he wanted to do. So the first thing I wanted you to see was that he didn't go to a manger. He went to a house. Secondly, I want you to note that there are Magi, wise men, not kings. Okay? Magi denotes that they were wise men or scholars, students of the world. Students of the world and the mysteries around them. They, today we might call them college professors. Highly educated men and women that, uh, that are interested in the things of the world. And somehow, and we're going to look at how, in my mind, anyway... Somehow they got a hold of the Old Testament scriptures and they learned from those and they knew what they were looking for. And we'll see that here in just a moment. But they were definitely wealthy scholars because the gifts that they brought were quite expensive. The gold and frankincense and myrrh were, were, were precious commodities. And we don't know if they were Persian. We don't know if they were Babylonian. We don't know if they came from present day Afghanistan or Iran or Iraq. We don't know where they came from. But we know they came from the east and they traveled to the west 
in order to accomplish what God had desired for them to, to, to accomplish. They were highly successful people that made a journey to worship a baby. A baby that they knew had been born king of the Jews. And that's a critical part of this passage. That the baby in the manger was born to be king of the Jews. And he would have a worldwide impact. We'll see that as we go on today. So follow with me as we look through Matthew chapter 2. And we see several movements or several, several ways, several steps that God takes the Magi through. And in their lives, he causes them to, to travel uh, to a certain land, to, to find the baby that's born in Bethlehem, to worship him, and then to leave by a different route. All according to his plan for them and to accomplish something that's very special and very, very positive. First, I want you to note that they were probably Gentiles, not Jews. Many of you, uh, I trust... If you're not, I encourage you to be a student of the Old Testament, history of the Old Testament. Those of you that are probably are aware of, uh, of the kingdoms, the Jews, that, that after, after a certain time, time period, there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And we also know um, from the Old Testament and from other history books that around 722 years before the birth of Christ, the Persians came uh, to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel, and they, 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 they took them into exile. And they distributed them throughout the Gentile nations that Persia was overseeing at that time. We know from Acts chapter 2 that there were a lot of different types of people that were there in, in Jerusalem at Pentecost, right? And, and many of those were, were impacted and influenced as a part of this, the, these Jews that had been dispersed many hundreds of years prior to the birth of Christ. We also know that around 600 years before his coming, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of this new kingdom or empire called Babylon, three times came to the southern kingdom, to Jerusalem, and exiled her people. Now God was doing something very unique and very special and very important. And there was a reason for this taking place. But I want to show you that uh, the, the reason that the Magi came might have been because of these very exiled experiences. But Nebuchadnezzar went three different times to Jerusalem. And the last time he left it in ruins. And he took the people away into exile. And with him, who went? You remember? Ezekiel went. Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego <laughs> Those people that we've read about and hundreds of others. But those people went and were influencing those folks that they went and were in exile with. We also know that Ezra some years later, excuse me, Esther some years later, uh, was, was chosen to be queen in one of those kingdoms. And she was used of God to preserve the Jewish nation that was about to be annihilated because of the pride of the Gentiles that were there. Point is, the point I'm trying to make is simply this. All of those people, Ezekiel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the, and the, and the, the message or the, 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 um, the truths that we learned from that experience, Esther, everyone, all of those, what did they, when they went into exile, they took the books of the prophecies with them. They took their... Their, um, their, their knowledge of God. And wherever they went, they, I'm sure that they talked about it. 
They encouraged the people that were there. They, they took with them the powerful promises of God. And they talked about them. They learned them. They, they, they uh, influenced the culture in which they were brought into. And somebody caught notice of this. Before we look at that, I want you to realize that the Jewish exiles, when they were taken out of Jerusalem, when they were taken out of the northern kingdom, and they were taken back to Persia, taken back to to, to Babylon, and they were exiled out of their kingdom, out of their homes, out of their land. They had no idea what God was doing. No idea. But they remained faithful to the God that they loved and they served. And they talked about him. They celebrated him. They worshipped him. They continued to develop the relationship that they, that they knew they needed to develop with the God that they loved. They had no idea what he was doing. And friend, today, you and I may be in circumstances where we're not really sure what God's doing. Challenges that we find ourselves in. Some way that he's going to further his plan through our lives and, and accomplish his purpose through us. And They were simply faithful to live for him and to talk of his goodness, to talk of his greatness, to talk of who he was and the the great things he had already done in the nation and what his plans were for the future. And you and I, in the midst of the challenges of our lives, whether it's work and the boss that doesn't seem to want to listen or the sale that you can't seem to find, get, or, or you're at school and that final is coming up and you know that it's going to be a challenge for you. Or there's a neighbor that you're at odds with, or whatever it might be. Finances are a challenge. Whatever the circumstances of life you find yourself in, know that the God that knew what he was doing when he exiled the, the, the nation of Israel to, to Persia and to Babylon and all of the circumstances that were going on there, he was in control of that, And he's in control of our lives. So whatever it is, trust him to do what is best. Continue to live for him. Continue to be faithful to him. And watch him move heaven and earth to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your lives. He did that for the nation of Israel. So as they were in exile, this group of scholars, these magi, caught the vision. They caught this possibility of peace on earth, that goodwill toward men in whom God is well pleased. These Gentile scholars knew that there was a king promised because they were in the scriptures that the Jews brought along with them into exile. And that's, the, that's the, the interesting thing that God accomplished through all of this, is that by moving the Jews into exile, the Magi were able to come in contact with the scripture and learn from it. And these, these scholars read and believed and waited. They knew that this king, this king would have a wonderful destiny was promised to him, that he was worthy of worship. And so, the second thing that God did, in the first was the, the providence of moving the people and the nations, a nation of Israel and the Jewish people into exile. And as a result of that, the Magi would come in contact with the word. And through God's providence, they were aware of the coming of the king 
of the Jews who would influence and impact the world. They learned of him through that. There's a second way that they were influenced and moved. Look at Matthew chapter 2 again. Verse 2 says this. They came to Herod and they said, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw what? We saw his star in the east. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. We saw his star. What is that about? You know, every time we, we, see, we, we, we see pictures of the, of, the, of the kings, setting aside that there's always three of them in the picture. Um, there's nothing in scripture that says there were three. Um, it's probably a group of well-educated men that came. Could have been three, could have been 30. I, I, no one knows. But it's interesting that that star is always there. You know, I've been thinking about this for some time and wondering, what's that all about? I believe that it's, it's, it's the effusion of the glory of God as described in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, if you'd like to turn over there with me, uh, we're gonna re- I'm going to read again some verses that you just read just a few moments ago. In God's providence, he's already had you looking at these verses this morning. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them. And listen, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were so afraid. Then down in verse 13, it gets better. The glory of the Lord expands. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now these wise men, they were were really astronomers or astrologists. And so they, they understood the heavens and they watched They watched the heavens and they saw off in the distance, perhaps, and this is what I believe, they saw off in the distance this this shining off to the east. Probably looked like it was a star that was still over the the horizon, yet yet to rise. And they knew that there was something unique and specific about that star that had something to do with the king that was coming. And they followed it. And that's the second thing that God used in the lives of the Magi. It was a very special interruption into the normal rhythms of their life. A special invasion of the normal rhythms of the sky. Remember, they were already looking for him. They already had an informed curiosity. They'd read the scripture. They knew what was coming. They knew that someday there was a king of the Jews that was going to come. that was going to bring peace to the world. They had an an, an informed intelligence. And as they logically had reasoned through the scriptures and realized that, that they realized that this star they saw off in the east was unique and signified the coming into humanity of the king of the Jews. And they understood this. They understood this. And the result was they were moved and they yearned to see it, to experience it, to worship him, and they believed and again, my friend, this is something that I, I, I was really challenged by these past few weeks as I thought through this. And it's something that each one of us needs to think about or, or, or realize that, that the same, same type of experience is, stuff, is, is something that you and I experience on a regular basis. The invasion of God into the normal workings of life. Things that happen that you could point to and say, 
God's doing this. God was in that. Some of us just kind of slough it aside and say it's just the circumstances of life. <laughs> but I'll bet that there are thousands of ways that you can think of and see that where God has invaded your world and protected you, revealed to you some, certain things that you needed to see, challenged you to grow in whatever way, just protected you in unique ways. Not to get too specific, but it could be a fire in a garage. Could be a medical issue. Could be COVID. So many different experiences and examples that we can point out in this local church where God has invaded our lives and reminded us, hey guys, I'm here. I'm real. I'm alive. I've got this. I'm in control. And I love you more than you can possibly imagine. Not only did God used the providence of the people moving into exile. He used the special invasion into, the, into our normal world to remind us he is God. Magi believed this. They saw it. And what did they do? They moved. They went. You can call it fate. You can call it whatever you want. But God normally interrupts the normal flow of things, the expected routine of things, and he reminds us that he is on the throne and he is our God. And friend, if you're here today and you've never made that decision to receive Jesus Christ, he's doing the same thing for you. He's reminding you and revealing to you through, through unique invasions into your world where things are handled, things are revealed, things are answered. You're protected. And he's, he's reminding you that he loves you and he is forgiven. And all you need to do is come to him in faith to find forgiveness. <laughs> he's real. The Magi knew that. When they saw the star, it moved them. It moved them. To travel, to worship, to bring gifts. The third way that they were guided or they were led and moved is found, again, reading through verse 2 and following. So you have your Bibles there? Let's look at uh, the last part of verse 2 and I'll read for just a moment. The Magi said this, For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. He was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Bit about Herod. You know, socially or at least uh, historically in that time era, in that area of the world, Herod was quite well known. Quite a politician. Had wonderful buildings built and his, his political organizational abilities were unquestioned. But in reality, he was a puppet king for Rome. To keep the Jews in line. In the vernacular of the day, and I apologize if this offends you, but in the vernacular of the day, Herod was a punk. He was a brute. All you need to do is read verse 16 of Matthew chapter 2 to see how much of a, a brute he was. He lied to the Magi. He had no intention of worshiping. He had every intention of dealing with the, the coming king in a very specific way. 
And when they tricked him, poor use of the word tricked. When God, when God revealed to them that they needed to go home a different way and they did exactly as God required, Herod got out of control. And he slaughtered every child, every boy, two years of age and under. Herod was a punk. The point that I wanted you to see here is that first off, the Magi saw the circumstances and the providence of God through learning from the scriptures that the Jews had brought with them in exile. Secondly, they saw an invasion of God into their lives through the star. And what's the third thing they did? Well, it says right there. We saw his star come... We saw his star in the east and have come to worship you. When Herod and the, the king had heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem. And he gathered together all the chief priests and scribes and inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, what? In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. There it is. Providence of God draws you to his side. The invasion of God into your world encourages you to seek him out. But what do we do? We go to the book. We go to the book. That's what the Magi were encouraged to do. That's the third step of how God dealt with the Magi through the details of his word. The point is simply that God has given us a book. We need to consult the book. Interesting how so many messages, so many times when we're challenged by the word, the word reminds us to spend time in the word. Know the word. That's what the Magi were told. When Herod was looking for where, where the Messiah was going to be born, what happened? The scribes sent him to the book, took him to the book. Here's what it says. And so the Bible is the specifics, the, the, the details, the, 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 the final say in what is God doing and how do we come into a right relationship with him. God who's been influencing you through the circumstances and through friends, the God that may have interrupted your life in unique ways, whether it's through, whether it's through medical issues or just whatever it might be, how in unique interruptions into your life, that God tells us, go to the book. It should drive us to the book so that we can find the specifics of how we ought to live. The specifics about this, this child is what the Magi found. The precise details that they found in the book, what did it do? It drove them to Bethlehem. How far away was Bethlehem from Herod's castle? Yeah, five, six miles, not that far. And you'll notice in verse 9, this is, this is uh, one, of, one of the most exciting parts of the passage for me. Listen, look at verse 9. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east, past tense, went on before them again until it came and stood over the place where the child was. The star had previously been in the east and it reappeared and led them to the, directly to where the child was. <laughs> That's why in verse 10 it says this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. There it is again. We knew we had followed the right direction. We knew we had come where we needed to be. Here's the star again confirming. Why did no one else see it? Because no one else is looking for him. Quite a unique star. It appeared again to the Magi, apparently not to anyone else. That may be why you're here this morning, perhaps. Come to this place to meet this, place to meet this child who is King Jesus. 
here at the house where Jesus lived with Mary and Joseph, here their devotion was displayed and they, they bowed down, they honored him, they gave him gifts, and then being warned of God to not go back to that place, they departed and went home by another route. So this story is told as being true. The pastor's name is, or was Rob Reed. And he and his wife had been assigned new duties in Brooklyn, New York, ironically, since we were just there. They were to arrive in mid-October and restart a church that had kind of littered out. When they got there, they went, they looked at the, at the facility, and it was almost dilapidated. It needed a lot of work. And they knew that it would be a few months before they could invite people to come into a first service. So they decided that they would have their first service on Christmas Eve. And they worked hard. Got the facility ready. Building was almost ready to go. Just um, a week or so yet to go. When they, had, when they heard terrible news that the eastern seaboard was going to be uh, hit by an ice storm, significant ice storm. People were supposed to stay inside. And, of course, it did happen. And after the storm was over, with just three days prior to Christmas Eve, Pastor Reed went to the facility, and, of course, it, it had been hit pretty hard. And behind the pulpit was a, a big wall that was uh, where the cross normally stood. It was down, and there was a huge hole where all of the plaster had fallen down. And he knew that there was no way that he could have it ready by Christmas Eve, and so they would have to put it off. And so on his trip home to see his wife and let her know that they would have to put their plans off, he stopped at a, at a, at a secondhand store because they were, they were, they were having a special sale, and, and all of the money that went that, that particular day was going to go to... Um, needy people in the area. And so he, he went into the secondhand store and he, he found this huge tablecloth, eight feet by 20 feet, and it was, it was embroidered throughout. It was beautiful. And right in the center of it was this huge cross. And he thought, well, this might just fit. So he bought, the, bought it and quickly ran back to the church. And as he was arriving, there was an, an older lady that was rushing down the street and she had missed her bus. And he knew that it was going to be about 40 minutes before the bus, the next bus would arrive. And so in order to help her get out of the inclement weather, he invited her to sit in the church while he was futzing around with this new piece of cloth that he found. And he, he, so she sat in the pew and watched him as he went up front. And it fit perfectly, by the way. And so he kind of turned this tablecloth into like a tapestry. And he knew that they were back on again. They were going to have their, their Christmas Eve service. And as he got done, he turned and he saw the lady had stood up and was walking down the aisle. And she just had this worshipful look on her face. And she said, Pastor, where did you get that? And he said, well, I, he told her the story where he'd purchased it. And she goes, does it have the initials MGB in the bottom right corner? And he looked, and it, it did. And she goes, this is where I start to cry, so I apologize. She says, um, I made that 35 years ago in Austria. As the Nazis were coming. I got it finished, and my husband asked me to, uh, encouraged me to run and get away so that the Nazis wouldn't catch me, but they did, and they sent me to a concentration camp, and I've not seen my husband since. I have no idea how that got here to New York City. And he offered to give it back to her, and she said, no, 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 it's, it's perfect where it's at. 
And so he felt the least he could do was give her a ride home. So he, he drove her over to Staten Island, which was a fairly long drive. She had only come to town that day because there was a special job of cleaning someone's apartment that she had found, and she needed the extra money. So he took her home and walked her up the three flights of stairs and made sure that she was safe. And fast forward to Christmas Eve. They held the Christmas Eve service, and it was wonderful. The place was packed. Message was right on the money. People were saying as they were leaving, hey, Pastor, we're going to be a part of what you're doing here. And he was really excited. And as they, they filtered out, he noticed in the back of the room an older man. And he was just sitting there staring at that tapestry. And the pastor actually noticed him because he was from the community. He knew him. And he went back and he said, what's going on? And he goes, where did you, the, the older man says, where did you get that? Well, I, I found it at this store just a few weeks ago. He goes, my wife made that. My wife made that 35 years ago in Austria. But she got taken to a concentration camp. And I also got arrested, got taken to a different one. And I have not seen her in 35 years. So needless to say, the pastor said, would you like to take a ride with me? And he, rode, he drove him over to Staten Island and walked up three flights of stairs with this gentleman. And knocked on the door and enjoyed watching the greatest Christmas reunion of all time, perhaps. Friend, the point is, is that God sent the star and it leads us to him. The one who stepped into the world and was laid in the manger controls the stars, controls the world. He controls the circumstances of our life. He controls your breath, your life, and he loves you. He's been working overtime to create in you the same wonder and worship that he did in the Magi. Do you still wonder? Do your eyes still twinkle? Does your, does your mouth still smile when you think of the babe in the manger? The worship that the Magi experienced after traveling across their known world. Some of us may be going in the wrong direction today, but he still persists. He still pursues. He still encourages. He still wants us to come back to him in love and forgiveness. Perhaps he's brought you here and me here today to experience the same love, to see the one who's born king of the Jews today. The one who will bring peace to this world. You know that day's coming? Is that great news? <laughs> peace on earth is coming, but it will come not through strength of arms, through the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers, through redemption, through changed hearts. And then one day the king will come and he will sit on the throne of his father David and he will rule and he will reign. And those of us that have found forgiveness in Jesus Christ will rule and reign with him. That's the baby that the Magi found. That's what moved them to worship, to honor, to gift. Knowing that the day will come. when he will be king.
You know the hymn, Joy to the World? Is it called a hymn or a Christmas carol? Whichever. You know, the, you know it, right? Okay. Figured you did. Let me read a couple of choruses to you. It says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Listen to this one. No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. You a gardener? You know exactly what that one means. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He is king of the Jews. He will reign as king of the world. And yet his forgiveness and his, his impact is, is personal and immediate for you. As far as the curse is found. And that curse influences our lives. And our king has dealt with that curse. His rule will know no boundaries. The Magi understood this. Learn what the Magi discovered and worship him. Let's pray together. Our Father, it very well may be that someone within the sound of my voice needs to surrender their heart to you. To kneel at the manger and submit to their king. I pray that today would be the day that they would confess their sin and welcome into their heart King Jesus. Remind us all today that the manger was the initiation of a worldwide agenda. That Christ was reconciling the world unto himself. That he's coming to purge this earth and to rule upon this earth and there will be no end to his kingdom. Father, may we live faithful lives. 